Let's just do a quick last thing you watched, real quick. Uh, Bridgerton. <laughs> Bridgerton. Bridgertown? Bridgerton? Yeah, Bridgerton. I I watched it through peripherals while playing <laughs> League with the boys. <laughs> That fun. was the most bro thing you could do. <laughs> I tried asking Krista a bunch of questions about it because I never, like, I'm always explaining nerd stuff to her. So I'm like, all right, let me ask some questions. And it was, it was okay, but can't take the accents and stuff. It's a little much. There's some BS 1800s drama I don't care about. That's what I watched, kind of. What about you? <laughs> um, I did a rewatch of Wedding Crashers. And uh, I was watching with Sam and she had never seen it before. <laughs> okay <laughs> it was a little jarring at how funny it was to me and how not funny it was to <laughs> yes sound speeding camera rolling scene two take 303 mark welcome to take 303 powered by fort way media the podcast with one guy who knows a lot about movies and his friend we're going to discuss film television and today we're discussing Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Spoiler warnings ahead. As an introduction, JP is our in-house dungeon master, and he's going to kind of take us on a journey to kind of show us like exactly how D&D is played, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out to you. Would you get what you need <laughs> yeah, to get out of the bag? <laughs> I hope you leave that in. Oh, man. Um... So yeah, I JP make... is just like slowly inching for his backpack and is, is just making all the sounds it needs. To... Oh, oh, great! I I totally forgot to ask you to bring all the dice. So you get to have one. This is for oh, you. It's a gift from awesome. me. Uh, for you, for the audio listeners, which is everybody. Uh, I have three dice here. Which one would you like? They uh, any one of them are yours. I'm gonna go with the solid purple one. Okay. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going at what is the core of Dungeons and Dragons? How is it played? Just give you a taste. Uh, Nick is opening his dice right now, which he should be doing. Uh, Nick, you're gonna go for your the dice that has the most sides. And uh, there's the, so much man. It. You just held oh. it. It's the biggest one. The biggest, biggest dice. one. Okay. I should have said not with the most sides. The biggest <laughs> one. Okay. That is called. You're holding it like it's a scalpel. Okay. You're not gonna cut anybody. <laughs> uh, that is called the D20. D standing for dice and 20 for it has 20 sides. Okay. So I imagine uh, D6. Yes, that's the common dice that you play with. Yahtzee, Monopoly is your six sided dice. This one. Why don't you describe that one? It looks like a top. It does, a spinning top. Like a yeah. spinning top. What about the numbers? The numbers are also really high. Yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and then a double zero. So if you grab the other spinning top dice, mm -hmm. if you roll those together, that is the tens column, the 10, 20, 31, and that's the ones column. That's a, technically what's called a D100. So okay. you roll both of those together. Now they actually make 100-sided die, and that's like a D100. It's really big. So we're going to play uh, really quick. This is just to get a feel what Dungeons & Dragons is like to be played, and it's going to be about maybe a minute, not more than that. Nick, uh, you're a hero. What kind of weapon do you have? Um, I'm going to go with an axe. Okay, great. You have an axe. That's all we need to know right now. And your mission is this. Your boy, uh, Ricardo, uh, was recently... Uh, he's part of your guild that you work for. That's your backstory. And he was recently taken. And he went on the hunt for an item. He found it, but he's gone missing. He was last spotted at this creepy house that's on top of this hill. And that's where you're headed. So that's where we'll start now. So you're walking up the cobblestone path, climbing up to the hill. You see some lamps glowing fire, lighting your way. Eventually you get to the south. It looks pretty much abandoned. Wood's broken. You can hear the wind howling a little bit. Uh, 
bro um, ripped uh, curtains and things, and this gives you a creepy vibe. Uh, the front gate, there's no... It's easy to walk through because it's damaged and broken, and you come to the front of this house. You see it's got a little... Uh, you can walk on the stoop. It goes all the way around the house like a uh, plantation or a country house, and you approach the door. What do you want to do? I'm going to knock on it. Okay, as you knock on the door, it slowly swings open, and with almost no effort at all, you open. You see three things that immediately jump out to you. First, you see a long hallway stre stretching with um, what goes into a room that you can see that has some tiled floor. To the left, you see what looks to be like a, a living room with a couple chairs, couches, maybe some paintings, and finally to your right, you see some stairs. What would you like to do? I'm going to go to my left to the living room. Okay, you go to the left to your living room. Why don't you roll a perception check? So now I'm asking you to roll the dice, okay. the d20 dice, and tell me what number you get. A one. You got a natural one? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So that's the worst thing you could possibly roll. Okay. Because that is the lowest <laughs> number on the dice. And Dungeons start. and Dragons, we call that a critical failure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you can't see anything. This room is dark. It's darker than outside. Everything's covered. In fact, I would even say as you walk in, you kick up some dust and knock some things dust covered. You've lost your ability to see. What do you do? Um, I wave my axe around. Excellent. As, as, you, as I walk through? Yeah. As you, uh, why, don't you, <laughs> why don't you give me an attack roll with disadvantage? So roll the d20 twice, twice but take the lower number. Okay. First 18. one? A 19? 18. 18. Now roll it again, but whatever number was lower. 7. Okay, so you're going to take 7. As you're swinging, you actually break some furniture, some things shatter. Um, in fact, you actually um, you swing so hard that it gets stuck in some object you don't know, and you fall. And as you fall, you hear the wood rot and crack from under you, and you fall through the floor. Your axe is left behind, and you fall through the floor, and you hit the basement hard. Roll a d8 for the, how much damage you take. Two. When you, you take two damage from the fall, and as you wake up and open your eyes, you see a man dragging your friend Ricardo out through the back, who is bleeding from his head, and you make eye contact with each other. That is Dungeons & Dragons at its most basic form. That is its simplest, purest form. You roll the dice, I tell you what happens. And I can see why so many people like it. It's like very... It, I mean, you do it very well where you can like really like paint a picture of like where you are. And I feel like if if this didn't work out, we could 100% do a Dungeons <laughs> podcast. But I, I guess just some general questions I have about the game. Sure. I'm going to make them super quick because this is about the movie, not about the game itself. Sure. But um, how long does it take to generally, like as a dungeon master, to set up the game? Generally speaking, however long you play... That's how long you need to prepare. So if you're playing four hours, it might take four hours of prep. How much health does a character have? Because I know you said uh, two damage. Every car every class has a different amount of health. So your wizard, right, who's known mm -hmm. for firing spells, has less health than, like, a bruiser or a tank or the barbarian, who Michelle Rodriguez, would probably take a little bit more of a punch. Have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons with someone who wears a cloak? You don't have to name them, but... I'm no, just no, <laughs> Bro, I'm not even... I've never played D&D with somebody. No, I would never... I'm trying to... First, I'm first off, I'm trying to check, did I ever do that? Because <laughs> I could... I might have. Like, it doesn't even need to be, like, uh, specifically a cloak, like... Costume? Costume. No, I don't think so. 
you introduce the game by saying like oh ricardo went missing and some mm-hmm. something like that um is that always typically like the the storyline or is there it literally can go anywhere dungeons and dragons the beauty and we're going to talk about the movie is that what's so beautiful about the game of dungeons and dragons D, that's the shorthand is that you can make anything the story of your game all right, and anything it is for D and D the movie. Yeah. So initial thoughts: I I came out of the theater, I was not thrilled about it. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the movie. I felt like it was very all over the place. Which now hearing about D and D the game, it makes more sense. And I didn't think it was a bad movie, but I didn't think it was an amazing movie. What about you? I agree. Not an amazing movie. I think it's just a good movie. I think it's a decent movie. More than anything, it's a good ambassador for the game, I think. It is a consumable piece of media that takes a very nerd thing that the average person, if unless you've played, really doesn't know a lot about it, has no idea what it's like, and makes it digestible. And what the original movie, which we'll talk about later, failed to do is they referenced things, but they didn't dwell on them. They made a heist movie. Which, in great news, like we said, D&D, you can make any kind of movie. They made a heist movie. I felt that the heist aspect and the storyline, that took the forefront over the Dungeons and Dragons aspect. That's how I, I don't, what do you think? I kind of wanted it the other way around. And that's coming from someone who has never played the game before. Right. Because I felt so out of touch with things. I would have liked more of the approach that I saw in, like, Jumanji, not the not the original, but the Into the Jungle with the, the rock. with the Rock and uh, Kevin Hart. I think they did a better job at orientating the the audience, saying saying so many things that pop out as like video game things, like oh, this person's respawning and this person has X number of lives. Yeah, and the reference they make, unless you've played, you really don't know them. Like for example, <clears throat> when they're talking to the skeleton bodies, and they said you can only ask it five questions. And they're like, why five? It seems so arbitrary. That is very much like what D&D is like. Like, why does an item only let you do three things? That's just what it is, you know? Um, so unless you've played, you really don't get a lot of it. And so that's why it's like a big fan service. But the problem I have with Dungeons and & Dragons, and I've just and I've played with groups that actually ruin the game for me. It's very easy for the game to be ruined because they're so bogged down and care way too much about the rules and getting every little thing perfect, perfected. You could literally stop playing D&D for about a half hour just to get a rule to figure out what the rule does. And that's a good question because someone actually just asked me this about an hour ago. Like I was like, as someone who's never played, I don't think there are rules because I think it's just like the rules set up by like the dungeon master like of, of that. I don't know I don't know if there's an official rule list. Oh, there's I wish I brought my books to show you. I have like I dungeon master guide and that just t- tells someone how to run a game is about four hundred pages. <laughs> so thick. Thick. They're we're littered with rules. Littered. Every aspect, every action, anything you want to do that has some sort of ability attached to it has, I mean, pages. Wait, what, what's rules. an example of like a, a rule that grinds your gears? Uh, you, this is a really, like this, this may turn people off, but this is a rule. You can't cast two spells in a single turn. I mean, um, that, that makes sense to me, like as an outsider. Okay, you can't get, but here's where the caveats come, and I never get them right, and I'm a dungeon master, I've been playing for years, and I just don't care. Like, who cares about this? You can't cast two spells in a single turn unless the second spell you cast is a has a length time of a bonus action and is a cantrip. I just want to say the way uh, your face the entire time I was explaining rules, 
That's exactly the face anybody should make if someone says, hey, do you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? I don't, I don't know, man. And that's why it shouldn't be in the movie. Like, that's like, thank God. Like, remember when they asked the guy in the movie, um, Smith, is that who plays him? The sorcerer dude who's like, has yeah. all the mm-hmm. confidence issues. Like, you can do magic. Imagine doing magic and being unconfident. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Like, the worst Harry Potter I ever could imagine. Anyway, he's a sorcerer, not a wizard. Big difference, but they didn't explore that. Thank God. Well, a little bit, his draconic line, but anyway. The casting was just Excellent. primo because they got the whole millennial and Gen Z generation going. It's the Bridgerton guy, you know, hanging out in there. Yeah. And we know you love Bridgerton. Oh, yeah, love Bridgerton. Oh, yeah, great show. I find it funny that not only does Chris Pine's character not do too much uh, in terms of the, the, the heist, but also Chris Pine himself just plays Chris Pine. So he himself is not doing too much, like, out of character. <laughs> I mean, he's been playing the same role since, like, 2009. But he's great at it. I really he's like great him. At it, yeah. The best word to describe it is basic. Yes, that's the perfect word. Where it it played it very safe. It did everything that it... It checked off, like, the boxes of what... It, it movied. It, it was moved. a movie. Um, that's a good way to put it, it. It didn't do anything spectacular. It didn't do anything bad, per se. But it just didn't go anywhere for me. Yes, and to be honest, that's what kind of sometimes games are like. It doesn't go anywhere. Do you think you learned anything about the game watching the movie? Um, very, very, very minimum. As a dungeon D and D player, and mm-hmm. you've seen uh, Honor Among Thieves, and you've seen the original. I have. Which one do you think does the game more justice? What do you mean by justice? Because I, I I have some hot takes. Okay, no, I I, I see you smirking already. Yeah. Um, so basically, like, if you think of like The Last of Us, okay. it's a very like true to its original source material. Like, it pays perfect tribute to where it's coming from. It's very faithful to its material. Which movie do you think honors the game the original. more? The original. The original. Yeah. Why? Oh, it's so hard, man. I've been I've been sitting at home debating this. Con- like before, you asked, I knew this question might come up, and I've been sitting at home. I think the original, the two thousand, it's campy to the max. It is predictable. The villains are over the top. The acting is over the top. That is what playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons is actually like. Okay, so let me be clear. Both of them incorporate aspects of the game, and they both have their shining moments. The original. I think, is more of what it's like to actually play the game. Whereas the other one makes references about what the game is like to be played. The Honor Among Thieves movies is a one-shot. And a one-shot is when you sit down and play a story and it it starts and it finishes and you don't pick up that story after that. It's an open and close. It's like a movie. Some movies you watch. And they very much did like... these. I promise you, people who made the Dungeon Dragon, uh, the Honor Among Thieves... Have played D&D. You can't make any of those references without knowing. But they didn't want to be what was the old one, which did too much of it. And that actually brings me to my next question, because mm-hmm. there's already talks, um, because the, the movie is a success, there's already talks about a sequel. What do you think they should do as a sequel? I think you already answered it with uh, by saying it's a one shot, so you don't want it to continue this story. No, you could always continue a story. And that's the beauty of Dungeons Dragons. But would you want to? Would I want to? With these characters? Yeah. No. So you you think the sequel should just feature a whole different cast, different story completely, maybe not even a like different different theme? What if if I was a dungeon master running that, what I would do? The Red Wizards want revenge on killing one of their own, right? 
Yeah. That's that's how it runs. So Chris Pine, he has his daughter, and now they want to get revenge. Oh, you killed one of the, you killed one of the Red Wizards. That's one way you could do it. The other way you could do it is that maybe by killing her. Also, some... wait, hang on. We yeah. shouldn't have started the podcast without Jonathan. 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 The big hawk guy. Oh, Jonathan! <laughs> the Eric Croker. Yeah. yeah, we're waiting for Jonathan. Jonathan we're like, waiting for Jonathan. He would have loved to hear this podcast. <laughs> 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 I look at go, my brother, my buddy, like they're both named Jonathan. Like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, he would have loved that part. Yeah. What would you think about a sequel where all of the cast returns, but as different characters, like kind of like an American Horror Story situation? Oh. Where like completely different characters. Oh, oh, oh. But the same cast. That would be actually more true what D and D is, because you start a campaign, you finish it, you play with the same people playing as different. Yeah, I, I actually wouldn't mind that. I think I, I, I like that better. Were there any standout scenes to you in the in Honor Among Thieves? Oh, the labyrinth was awesome. That is a dungeon master's puzzle. The standout scene for me was when they were trying to get into that chariot, uh, with the portal. Oh yeah. Like my jaw dropped when when it hit the ground. I was like, oh shit! I was like, yeah. <laughs> don't drop it. Now, how would you rate Honor Among Thieves? Okay, I've been sitting at home. Bounces back four. Three. So three out of five for me. Does a solid job. It doesn't do anything amazing, which I think every all the criticisms you're giving it, I think are accurate. And for me, I, you know the struggle that I had because I was leaning between two different ratings and I really didn't know which way to go. It literally could have teetered in any different direction. I really thought it was just a good okay movie i didn't think it was anything spectacular the casting might have overshadowed the story in a sense i feel like a lot of its hype comes from who's in it i feel like it was just a marvel movie and not in the good marvel time like so i'm gonna have to just lean as a two wow. a two out of five yeah 100 percent agree that makes a lot of sense and actually kind of reinforces what i already think I think this is a good time. We're, we're sweating in this studio. So we're going to take a little commercial break to turn on the fan, and uh, we'll be right back. All right there, Matt. You, you go have a good day with your dad, all right? What you just heard was me talking to my son. You might be wondering, he just went off with his dad, and that's also true. Being a dad is hard. I don't have time to play video games anymore. I don't have time to watch the game with my buddies. I don't have time for a beer. But now I do with Rent-A-Dad. Are you tired of your responsibilities of being a good father? Forget all that. You can turn it over to somebody else. Rent-A-Dad offers a wide selection of father figures while you don't have to be one. Send your kid on a play date, to the amusement park, to the park. It doesn't matter where you send them, another man will take care of it for you. You can ask my son. He's loved his Rent-A-Dad. Maybe you're not always in the mood to be intimate with your wife. Rent-A-Dad takes care of it too. Why worry? All the time I could have spent with my children, now I get to do the things I like to do. Get back your life with Rent-A-Dad. Let someone else step up so you can step out. Rent-A-Dad. Visit us at rentadad.com today. Note that any forming meaningful relationships made between Rent-A-Dad and the children or wife is not responsible or liable. Use the promo code you are not the father and let somebody else do the job for you. And we're back. So we talked a lot about Honor Among Thieves and said it, at its core it is a heist movie so let's talk about one of the greatest heist movies that we've seen 2001's oceans 11 this movie is without a doubt it's probably my favorite crime movie of all time 
I mean, how often do you watch it? I watch it every year, obviously, because you're, if you're not watching Ocean's Eleven once a year, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. What are you watching? George Clooney. Is it the still, cast is stacked. Yeah, is it still a young Matt Damon? Matt Damon was still in his uh, young Matt Damon phase where he plays the kid on the team. Yeah, it's just everything about Ocean's Eleven is done well, especially for the genre that it's in. I don't know about you, but I think it like it set the stage or the bar for what heist movies or crime movies should be like. But maybe I'm stretching. It's one of the rare movies that I like it a little bit more than the original. Um, this one, I felt the pacing, the the jumping from different storylines, I felt it was done so well. And I feel like that, yeah, I can see why Dungeons and Dragons went that route. It's because you can do like, oh, here's the plan. And here's like all the different things that can happen. And here's another plan and all the things that can happen there. It definitely set the stage for a lot. And actually, while I was watching it, I feel like it set the stage for Marvel in a sense, hmm. where... I saw this group of quippy kind of guys who are all kind of self-aware of their role in this game, and they're assembling a team, and they are accomplishing a mission. Even though they have, like, problems hitting them, it doesn't really seem like it's phasing them. I know everything you said is 100% right, but my brain just had a big blast. Jimmy Neutron reference, thank you. Is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves the same movie as Ocean's Eleven? Is it legitimately the same? Hold on, just just hear me out for a second. Chris Pine is trying to win whose affection back? Uh, his daughter. And who has taken it? The uncle. The uncle guy who... Um, who, who used to work on his team. He used to work on his team, right? They know. Is not Danny Ocean trying to win back the affection of his wife from the same guy he's trying to rob? Yes. And it's like a redemption for him in a way, and he gets a group of people... To go rob this guy, but he's not necessarily interested in what they're robbing. He's just trying to get the daughter, where some of the other ones maybe kind of actually want to steal things. Maybe not so much that part, but I feel like... And the both of the movies start out with him in front of the parole board, pleading his case. Did they just rip Ocean's Eleven? Minus Jonathan. Um, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> well, with Jonathan? the addition of Jonathan. Um, yeah, I, well, that's what we're saying, is that Ocean's Eleven is such a big movie in terms of heist films... That, honestly, I feel like if you made a heist film today, it's really hard not to copy anything from that movie because it just does everything so well and it set the stage for... It, 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 it is, like, the pinnacle of heist movies. Yeah. Like, you watch The Italian Job. You watch Army of the Dead. You watch really just any... Ocean's 12. Ocean's 13. They all come from Ocean's, <laughs> Ocean's 11. Ocean's 8. <laughs> or maybe Ocean's is copying some other movie we don't know about, but it did it so well. Maybe it's original. That was actually... (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that was not... Oh, man, that was not at all... I hope you leave that in. Uh, What's your favorite scene from Ocean's Eleven? So it's definitely during the heist scene um, with uh, Yen, the acrobat, when he uh, gets, like, kind of, like, pushed in through the cart, and he's in the... He's inside the vault, and he has to go over to the door to let George Clooney in, and he does this flip and they're always like kind of betting against him to see if like he's gonna miss it even though like if he misses it you're done you guys are like the heist is over but every time he does that flip onto like the kind of like a locker thing yeah ledge locker ledge he flips over to the ledge and he misses it in the actual heist and he like falls over and he catches himself and every single time it happens my mouth drops because I'm like, it's so well done. It's perfect. 
What about you? My favorite scene always has to be, like any good heist movie is when they reveal to you what actually happens. And so it has to be my favorite scene is knowing that it's them in the SWAT team. So watching it for the first time when they don't reveal anything, but now knowing that it's like, and then walking out with the bags and just watching the van pull away. And how do you not love, it's the fountain, right? They're by a Mm -hmm. fountain at the end, always. And so, yeah, I just love watching that scene. Similar time when they're doing the heist and he's doing the backflips is them doing the whole SWAT team routine. And you know, because you've watched it before, that it's them. Like, that's so brilliant. I love that. I remember when I first saw it, I was just mind blown. Because I was like, yeah, like, they're the guys with the plan. They knew what was going on the entire time. And it's interesting how we talked about heist films and, like, how you can't uh, make one without kind of, like, alluding to Oceans. And when I was rewatching it, I thought about Fast Five. And how the ending, it was it was a heist uh, kind of movie, the fifth one at least. They're all kind of all over the place. But the ending, it has that, that situation where we go back and we show you something that you already saw. But now here's the different perspective. And this is how we pulled off the heist. And that's, that's such an interesting thing to me. And it's funny how in Honor Among Thieves, you don't really have that. Mm. So... It delves away from the heist film kind of like archetypes where, as you said, like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is kind of all over the place as a game. So it doesn't make sense for like the main character to have like an intricate plan that will work out and that we can show you it it can't. So I think that's kind of one of the things that irks me coming at D&D Honor Among Thieves is that. I'm looking for the cinematic, like the movie kind of version of it. I also just love how how iconic some of the actors are in this movie. Like you got your your young Brad Pitt just chomping away in every scene. He's, he's just the snack guy, and then oh, that's it. I, I I thought there was something deeper. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's just it, it's what you were saying before. Is like every one of them is just oozing cool. Like he's just there. He's always got a snack. And then if you think of Fast and the Furious. Is a snack guy. Uh, yeah, he dies in Tokyo Drift. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> is it Yen? No, that's the guy from Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're just gonna stare at each other until the name comes at us because we definitely heard it a bunch of times. When Han, Han, Han. Grab that. There it is. Because you're pl- you're recording with a white guy. It yeah. It's about there are a lot of names <laughs> going in my head. The more I sit and talk to you about movies, and we start comparing and looking at others. The more I'm like, is anything original? Original, I think, is a poor word for it. Yeah. Because there's actually a really good series on uh, on Vimeo and YouTube, I think. It's called Everything is a Remix. And I think remix is a better way to say it, where nothing is technically really original. And I think it was like Shakespeare said there's only like seven or ten different kind of stories that exist. Mm-hmm. So then everything else is just riffing off of that. So a heist film goes back all the way to the early starts of like films. Like the 1930s, you had like the Great Train Robbery. What are the highlights of Ocean's Eleven? The writing. I mean, how do you not mention the writing? I think the writing is just so well done and it's complemented by its editing. Mm. Just jumping back and forth between these characters so fluidly. You know, that's so interesting. I guess I've never really considered, and of course you have the eye for this stuff, Anna Years. Is I, when I thought of, I mentioned the writing, 
what I actually really meant, which you described as the editing, how quick and everything, how fast everything moves, which you can do that with writing and obviously acting and playing it well. If you edit it well, too, which you're right, it is edited gorgeously. George Clooney plays George Clooney almost all the time. I think he gets a fat... Uh, oh, JP is making those faces that I was making earlier, where it's like, wait a second, let me rethink life for a hot second. Run that by me one more time. Hold on. Let me think. George Clooney has never played a role where he wasn't playing George Clooney, where he's always the smooth-talking, cool guy. Even when he's in space with Sandra Bullock, he's just like George Clooney. I'm really trying to go through all my George Clooney. Yeah. Like, even if you think of, uh, of uh, Batman... Is he any different from Danny Ocean? Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about Bruce Wayne? Yeah, when when George Clooney played Batman. Oh, right. George Clooney played Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot that. My man erased That movie is so bad. I, it. <laughs> I've erased it. I think just a rating for Ocean's Eleven. Oh, five out of five. What else do you need to know? <laughs> go watch that. I'm going to go home and probably watch that movie again. What about you? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go five out of five. I think it's a perfect heist film. You know, it's, a, it's actually the first rating we've agreed on. Yeah. And I say that as if we've done a hundred of these. It's only the second one. But. <laughs> episode two, we finally agreed on something. <laughs> Excellent. This has been an episode of Take 303, powered by Fortway Media. With every episode, we're going to be asking a question and leaving a poll. This week's question is, what is your favorite heist movie? And the poll we're going to be asking is, whose review did you vibe with more? Did you vibe with Nick's? Or did you vibe with mine, aka JP's? Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Fortway Media. Leave a comment on there. Tell us what you thought of the episode, whether you agree or disagree with anything that we said. And tell a friend about the podcast. The word of mouth is the best way. You can also follow us on Patreon. You can subscribe and support the podcast. Help us grow. Help us release more content. If we get enough subscribers, we'll start releasing mostly unedited content. And more things that maybe you guys want us to do. Maybe you want us to do other stuff, review different things. We'd be more than willing and happy to do that. We drop our episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to catch us for the next one. Have a good one.